0: All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see all of you today. So thankful that you've chosen to worship here. Thank you for your presence. Thank you to all of you that are online. Really grateful that you've connected with us in this way. We are in a series called The Unexplainable Life. We're looking at the life of Elijah and Elisha. And today we will be in 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2 verses 1 to 14. 2 Kings chapter 2 verses 1 to 14. Now, thus far, if you're just parachuting in, you're like, okay, what, what in the world is this unexplainable life thing? Thus far, we have seen of Elijah the prophet this really unexplainable life with God, where he he has in fact changed the course of history by his faithfulness to God in rooting out a cult from Israel called Baalism. There's this epic account of him fighting 400 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. But he didn't fight with his own hands. He cried out to God, and God sent fire from heaven. Crazy story, unexplainable. And, uh, and today we pick up at the end of Elijah's story and kind of in the middle of Elisha's, because Elijah doesn't die, he just goes to heaven. And that is also unexplainable So let's take a look at all this If you would stand with me If you're our guest We say this phrase The very words at the end of the main text reading Just to uh, distinguish God's word from my own So it's 2 Kings chapter 2, 1 to 14 Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal And Elijah said to Elisha Please stay here For the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Elisha said to him, Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to Jericho So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they were both standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water, and the water was parted to one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elijah said, Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, the chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water saying, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. You can be seated. Catch your breath, that was a long stand. Today we're going to talk about a double portion for the next generation, a double portion for the next generation. The most unexplainable life, I mean... Just think about Elijah for just a second. 400 prophets of Baal, Mount Carmel, fire from heaven. He overcomes uh, Ahab and Jezebel. The Lord sustains him, gives him a new work to do to anoint Elisha, to uh, anoint two other kings in the region. And then he takes him up into heaven in a whirlwind. That's unexplainable. That is an unexplainable life. And Elisha dares to ask for a double portion of that. Like, give me twice as much of that kind of anointing, that kind of spiritual life. I just want to make a couple observations about this part of the narrative because I think it's important for us as we think about our life and the next generation. The first thing that I want to simply say that's quite obvious is that the most unexplainable life still hands off to the next generation. The most unexplainable life still hands off to the next generation. So it doesn't matter how impactful 400 prophets of Baal, you know, this cloak that's parting waters and this, this... this political overhaul of a nation because of his faith in God and all those kinds of things, he still, at the end of the day, hands off to the next generation. And I don't think he does it flippantly. I think he does it with intentionality. And the question that Elijah asks shows us that intentionality. When you see 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9, it says, When they crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. That question just breathes intentionality. He's passing the mantle of spiritual responsibility for the people to Elisha. He's invested in him. Obviously, we've seen already in these, these scriptures... That Elisha has been the attendant of Elijah. That means that he's walking with him, that he's watching how he works, that he's participating in his work, he's learning from him. Elijah's been very intentional with Elisha. He wants him to have what he needs. I mean, this is the question that he asked. Last question before I'm out of here what do you need? What do you need? Because he knows it's, it's, a, it's a really, really high calling to be the prophet in Israel at that time. It's, it's important for the people. It's important for their relationship with God. And so he simply says, what, what do you need? And this is when Elijah asked for a double portion. Well, Elijah is not the only one that rolls that way. Do you know Jesus models this with the disciples? Jesus says, come follow me. They walk with him. They attend to him. They become his disciples. They learn to pray like him, to heal like him, to proclaim the gospel like him, to work for the kingdom like him. They watch him. And when he dies, he hands over the entire movement to the next generation. I mean, who has a more unexplainable life than Jesus himself? Sinless. Dies on a cross, but before he does so, proclaims to everyone, I'm going to die, but three days later, on the third day, I will rise, and then he does it. That is unexplainable. He ascends into heaven from the Mount of Olives. Unexplainable, and yet he hands over, he hands off this movement of the gospel, this good news that would go to the uttermost parts of the earth hands it off to the next generation, to the disciples. And you know the disciples do the same thing if you trace church history. A great exa- example for those of you nerdy church history types is like Polycarp is assumed to be John's disciple. Right? They hand off to the next generation. The most unexplainable life still hands off to the next generation. What I want you to get in that is that no matter how how Unexplainable, your life is in Christ. You are still going to come to the end and hand it off. That's important to understand because it actually carves a way through the woods for people. It helps us see, like, hey, this is what I need to be doing and where I need to be going because I'm going to hand this off. Someday, both the Old Testament and the New Testament model this kind of intentionality. Psalm chapter 48 verse 12. I read this almost every time we go to Israel, last day, we crawl up on the uh, ramparts, and we're going to walk around the old city of Jerusalem. Psalm 48:12 says, "Walk about Zion, go around her, number her towers, consider well her ramparts, go through her citadels." that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us forever and ever. I mean, there is this, from the psalmist, this sense that we must understand these things of God and tell the next generation, pass them down to the next generation, hand them off. Psalm 78 verse 4 says, We will not hide these things from our children, but we will tell them to the coming generation, the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. It's a handing off. It's a telling. It's a passing on of the faith from one generation to the next. Elijah is very intentional about this with Elisha, and the Old Testament calls the people of God to be very intentional about this. If you're living... An unexplainable life, you are concerned about passing the faith to the next generation. You're concerned about passing your understanding, your walk with God to the next generation. Titus, we get in Titus chapter 2, 1 to 8, some scripture for the church. It tells us some things about what we should be doing. It says, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine." Older men are to be sober-minded. By the way, like in that time frame, an older man would be like 40, 45. How many older men in the room now? Like raise your hand. Come on. Be loud. Be proud. (laughs) Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and steadfastness, meaning that we continue in the faith. Older women... and in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that at any an, any opponent may be put to, sh- so that an opponent may not be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. I mean, the concept is clear in the Book of Titus that one generation to pass down the way of living this unexplainable life to the next generation. This happens. You are going to pass on. Whatever is in you to the next generation. The most explainable life understands that. Gets that. Knows that I'm not forever. You are not forever. But passes it on. Now, the second point that I'd like to make is in, uh, framed in uh, Elisha's ask. He asked for a double portion. And I think that we need to have a great hope for a double portion for the next generation. A great hope for a double portion for the next generation. What is a double portion? I mean, this kind of stuff, if you watch like Christian television, this kind of stuff gets nutty, right? (laughs) Give me a double portion. I'm going to give you $1,000 and you give me a double portion of that back, you know, God. It's not that. It's not that at all. What is a double portion? In this case, Elisha is asking for a double portion of the spiritual anointing and impact of Elijah. For the sake of God among his people. He's he's asking for influence. He's asking for favor for the sake of the kingdom and for his people. Did you know that Elijah records 16 miracles? Like if you just go through and count all the miracles, Elijah records 16. Elisha records 32. He almost doesn't make it. He died only completing 31. If you, if you add all this up, you're like, that's 31. That's not a double portion. That's almost a double portion. But 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 20 to 21. So Elisha died and they buried him. Now bands of Moabites used to invade the land in the spring of the year. And as a man was being buried, behold, a marauding band was seen and the man was thrown into the grave of Elisha. And as soon as the man touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. That's 32. That's unexplainable. But that's the unexplainable life. That's the double portion that he asked for and what we see in the context of Scripture. That was a big deal when you, when you just look at Elisha and Elijah. Their influence is huge in the context of the history of the people of Israel. Their influence is huge in the the simple sense that they are influencing you now as 21st century American Christians. I mean, it's big influence. It's unexplainable. They did not know all of what would come. I, I, I don't think that they could imagine this. Had no idea that America was a thing. But the, but the good news of the kingdom that they upheld and that it was birthed in Christ has come to the uttermost parts of the, the earth. I mean, that is totally unexplainable. And do you know that the world is ripe for a harvest right now? That like the day... The great day, the day of the Lord that all the prophets spoke about and pointed to, that Jesus talks about, that the disciples talk about, that that day is nearer now than it's ever been. You could make all kinds of arguments about that day and when you think it is and all those kinds of things, but generally we can say it is nearer now than it's ever been. I want to ask you a question. If we knew... Jesus was coming in the next generation, would it change our sense of urgency and and intentionality with the next generation? If we knew that Jesus was coming in the next generation, if we had 25 years, let's say, would it change our sense of urgency and intentionality with the next generation? How many of you have heard of uh, Generation Z, Gen Z? Come on. All right, if you are 12 to 24, you are Gen Z. Raise your hand, Gen Z, loud and proud. Yes, 12 to 24 years old, in the room, in the house. That's good news. There are 2.47 billion of those guys and gals in the world today. 2.47 billion of them. Surveys say, statistics can say anything, but this is generally about right, I suppose. 44% of Gen Z characterizes themselves as nuns when it comes to religious affiliation. 44% of Gen Z people 12 to 24 would say that they're none when it comes to religious affiliation. Gen Z is a generation at risk. When it comes to understanding the faith. Shane Pruitt said it this way. Shane, Shane Pruitt has uh, an observation that he makes based on a research called Four Generations of Fade. Listen to what it says. In generation one, parents don't make church or faith a high priority for kids. Generation one. Let's just start there. Generation two. Those kids grow up and make church less a priority for their kids. Okay, so generation one's kids, they they didn't make it a big priority. Generation two comes along, those kids grow up, they make it less of a priority. Generation three, kids grow up and make church no priority for their kids. And in generation four, those kids grow up without a biblical knowledge of God. And that's how people groups who once knew God fall away from God completely in four generations, right? So some work has been done to say perhaps perhaps the baby boomers were parents who don't make church a high priority. Perhaps Gen X, that's my generation, uh, we grew up and, uh, and we, didn't, we made church less of a priority. Perhaps generation uh, the millennials is Gen 3. They grow up and make church no priority for their kids. And perhaps it is Gen Z that will suffer not having biblical knowledge of God at all. Perhaps. And you can see how very quickly, very quickly... A faith in a people group can fade. It's important that we understand that no matter how unexplainable our life is, like Elisha understood he wanted a double portion, like Elijah knew that he needed to pass down all of this with intentionality, it's important that we lean in the same way. I will tell you this. The number of 12 to 24-year-olds that just raised their hands in our church is exciting. It's exciting. I'm so grateful. It's unique. Despite these statistics about Gen Z, I think God is raising up Elisha's in Gen Z that will lead the church toward reaching a culture that's drifting further from Christ right now. Like I have a great hope. For that generation. Joel chapter 2, 28 to 29, it says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. <clears throat> your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. Now this has been fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 as the Holy Spirit was given at Pentecost. But I'm telling you, I believe God is still working in these ways these very days by his Holy Spirit. I think that people, old men and women close to God are dreaming dreams. I think that young men and women have visions. And we need to intentionally invest in them. We need to pray and equip them for boldness to live the way of Jesus. We need to help them have wisdom to proclaim the word of Jesus. We need to really work with them to help them understand what kind of power it will take from the Holy Spirit to withstand persecution with Jesus. And we need to teach them to love Because in their generation, they are having to love people in a world that is so far from God. And we need to teach them to love like Jesus. Like, how do you uphold the truth in love? If you think it's hard now, just give it another 10. Give it another 20. Angela and I have spent a lot of time with Jen uh, Z. Angie, Angie, believe it or not, has like 25 years of youth small group experience at this point. Like year after year of teenagers, small groups. All of our kids are Gen Z from top to bottom, like 23 to 15. Um, we know that God speaks to them. We see it and hear it clearly that he speaks to them for their generation through his word and by his spirit. And there is already in Gen Z a bold remnant. We, as Gen X and baby boomers and millennials, need to see the importance of handing down the faith and praying for A double portion for that generation. Two questions that everybody should ask and answer today. If if Elisha was asked these questions, he would know how to answer them. These are two questions every one of us needs to ask and answer today. Question number one is a pretty simple question Who are you following? Who are you following? Elisha would say, well, I'm following Elisha. He, Elijah, he cried out, my father, when his father was taken away from him. If you ask, you know, John or Philip, who are they following? They're following Jesus. If you ask Polycarp, who are you following? He's following John. So, question every disciple needs to be able to answer is, who am I following? Who do you walk with day in and day out when it comes to the faith? Can I just make a suggestion? Consider following someone older than you who you observe and you think, I want a double portion of what they have with God. Consider following someone older than you who when you observe their life, you think to yourself, I want a double portion of what they have with God. I have about three spiritual fathers in my life. One of them wrote me a note this week that, like, it's Richard Ross at Southwestern Seminary. I pray I have a double portion of what that dude has. You know, find people that when you look at their life and their walk with Jesus that are older than you. And say, I- I'm going to f- follow you. I'm going to kind of be all up in your, your business. Who are you following? Some of you are lost in that category right now. Like you'd say to yourself, I have no idea who I'm following. Um, start by praying and asking God who would have you follow. Ask him to show you by, by his spirit. Check their life against the scriptures. And then approach them. Hey, can you teach me how you pray? Can you teach me how you hear from God and how you obey him? Teach me that. Teach me to walk with him. I want a double portion of what you have. So question number one, who are you following? That takes intentionality. It's not an osmosis thing. You you don't just show up for that. It's intentionality. Second, second question. Who is following you? Who is following you? Gen Z, 12 to 24 years old, do you know that there's a generation behind you that's less than 12 years old? They're following you. Who is following you specifically? Can you answer that question with intentionality like, who you walk with? Who are you? investing in I mean let's consider again Gen Z the people 12 to 24 years old those are my kids your kids Uh, some of your grandchildren in that category are you investing in them (laughs) like or is this slow fade thing happening where in another generation there will be a generation who has no biblical knowledge of God. And I will say, to you, that's what all the research is telling us about our particular people group right now, is that in another generation, there won't be any people in that generation walking around with a biblical knowledge of God. They might have a knowledge of God, but not a biblical knowledge of God. And so we have work to do here. So you got to answer the question like, who are you investing in? In your domain, at work, in your neighborhood, in your family, all those things. Who are you investing in? Who do you walk with? Who are you passing it on to? You know, our staff, the Jonathan, the guy that led today, he's Gen Z. 23, 22? Where are you? 22, yeah. Thank you. They all look the same. When you're like 49, it's like, (laughs) am I right? Like, like, it's like, they're 20-something, 22, right? Uh, Megan, who's our communications director, she's 23 maybe, 4 maybe. But Gen Z, Brigham on our staff, Gen Z, Lauren Armstrong on our staff, Gen Z. They're awesome. All of them are awesome. Chris? No. Millennial? You're millennial. It's too late for you. You're old. (laughs) Cade's old. He's millennial. Look, God is raising up a bold remnant in that generation. Here's what I think when I think about Elijah and Elisha, I think to myself, like there is nothing more that we need to understand than how are we intentionally passing on the faith and the responsibility of leading the people of faith to the to the next generation. Right? We need to be doing that. That's what we have to be about. The answer to these questions, I mean, if you if you just If you just think for a moment, if there was no Elisha, if Elijah Elijah fought 400 prophets of Baal and was carried up into a whirlwind and there was no Elisha, no 32 miracles that we have written down in our scriptures, no impact of the man whose name means God saves, if there was no Elisha. No turning of Israel back to God if there's no Elisha. Who are you investing? I've heard this before, but I think it's it's incredible. Like we think sometimes that Billy Graham is the the greatest influencer of all time in the history of America, sort of evangelism and ecclesiology. But like, who was investing in him? You know, you just don't know who God is raising up, but we have to be faithful to invest in the next generation. Someone who's living the unexplainable life understands they still hand it off to the next generation and they pray their guts out with intentionality and purpose in action, work with their hands and their feet, that the next generation would have a double portion of what we have. I pray for it. I hope for it. I'm investing in it. I hope you are too. Practical ways you could do that. This is the, you know, like, oh, bait and switch. But teaching kids the Bible in church on Sunday morning is a big deal. Walking with students through life as a small group leader, really big deal. Investing in young adults as a middle-aged or older adult Really big deal. This is a perfect place to invest in the next generation. Right? You're going to pass it on. Yeah, I mean, think about this. They don't quit being morbid. 30 years from now, how many of us will be here? I don't know. We're going to pass it on. right? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And just ask the Lord to speak to you. Father, we are grateful. We're a grateful people that we know your gospel. We know your good news. We have heard it. We've been given access to it. God, that you've allowed us to be a part of a body of Christ that invests in us, that disciples us, that shows us how to walk and live with people that love you and obey you. Jesus, we're thankful that we can know you and that we can come to the Father Because of you. And Father, we thank you for our children and our grandchildren and the generations yet to come. God, would you give us the wisdom and understanding and the heart to do the hard work of passing the faith to the next generation. Let us all, God, let us all live an unexplainable life full of purpose and calling, but let us not forget to hand that off and to pray for a double portion, more. God, give us more of your presence, more of your spirit's movement in the next generation. Let people know that you're the God of Elijah the God of Elisha, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who established the throne of David and raised up your son so that throne would never end. Help us to walk in power and purpose for your glory and let the generations that come know your mighty name just because we were faithful to hear and obey, to walk with you and to pass it on.